Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by VirtualTravelEvents.com, the leading digital event platform for travel advisors and travel industry suppliers. The process of attending physical trade shows can be expensive and time-consuming for travel advisors. That's why over 90% of travel advisors don't bother with them. The yearly virtual events on weddings, honeymoons, luxury travel, group travel, and so much more puts advisors and suppliers together with live presentations, interviews with top industry executives and travel professional peers, live chats, and the opportunity to win prizes for attending and participating. Head over to virtualtravelevents.com to learn more and don't miss the Romance Weddings and Honeymoons Expo next week, February 15th and 16th from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. That's virtualtravelevents.com to learn more. What's up, everyone? Today is February 7th. Happy Travel Tuesday and happy birthday month to me and all my February birthday people out there. We got a great show for you today talking big news around the world of travel. And joining me on the show now is Kim Cook owner of Love to Travel. Welcome to the show, Kim. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Eric. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, I have been in this industry for 30 years this month. Uh, February is our 30-year anniversary, so we're very excited. Um, Our business, Love to Travel, was founded on basically romance travel. We started with honeymoons and um, started doing bridal shows immediately, and that was our initial marketing push, and so we've never looked back. So my husband and I uh, started a – we had a destination wedding, um, and so – and that was 31 years ago. So that really started our passion for – honeymoons, destination weddings, and all kinds of romance travel. I love it. Yes. Uh, love to travel. Great brand name. Love is in the air. So <laughs> so appropriate for today's episode as Kim and I are going to dive into the latest trends and hot destinations in the world of romance travel. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with uh, some wild news that happened over the weekend on Saturday, impacted my Saturday of work, but uh, that's life, you know. But uh, the FAA, they ordered three U.S. airports in the Carolinas to stop uh, to a ground stop because of the suspected Chinese spy balloon, which is not something I thought I would ever have to say on this podcast of that, but <laughs> here we are. So the balloon was spotted over in South Carolina. They had to wait a bit for, they had to wait for it to just be out of the way of people to shoot it down with a missile and or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I get the need for, for halting the flights to the, all the airports. And thankfully this wasn't an all day affair. The ground stop lasted like over an hour, but still, I know I'd be extremely upset if I was in one of those airports and that impacted my flight, especially if you've been watching the news at all the whole week. You, you kept hearing all about this balloon that was flying over. It was first seen in like Montana on like Thursday or whatever. And, you know, somehow it didn't impact any flights until Saturday on that. So I don't know. I don't know. But life happens. Flights get delayed every single day. That's part of travel. You know, you just have to deal with it. Right. And and if you have a travel advisor, that's going to make life so much easier anytime delays come up. Am I right, Kim? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, just over the weekend, we didn't have any balloon issues, but we had, you know, flights canceled and um, for mechanical issues. And one of our main flights leaving on Sunday got canceled. And so immediately, you know, we're taking the phone calls from our clients, you know, getting them rebooked, uh, notifying the resort, notifying the transfer company. And I mean, it's just so much easier when you have a travel advisor that's got your back, you know, that to handle all of those issues for you because they're at the airport waiting in line. They can't really contact the resort or the, you know, the transfer company. So we do all that for them. And that's so clutch to have that person in your corner and on your side. So that was one way the uh, government impacted travel uh, recently. And speaking of the government, uh, that continues on with some air travel impacts that they've got going Mm -hmm. on. Last week, President Biden, he highlighted efforts to eliminate travel-related fees, which 
yeah, everyone wants to get rid of fees. Who wants to pay fees? Am I right? So airlines and on part of this initiative stuff is airlines and online booking services would be required to show the full price of plane tickets up front, including baggage and other fees, as well as forcing carriers to make changes to their compensation policies when flights are delayed or canceled. Airlines would be banned from charging fees for family members to sit with young children. The Biden administration is also working to eliminate resort and destination fees. Plus, they're pushing back on companies like Ticketmaster, who charge ridiculous fees for concerts, sporting events, etc. All the while that other U.S. lawmakers are, are working on new airline consumer protections, too. This, um, the U.S. government working to, on measures that would require airlines to pay at least $1,350 to passengers who were denied booking to an oversold flight and limit how small carriers can design seats. We all love the the size of plane seats out there. I know, right? Yeah. So that's the um, that's part of the passengers bill of rights movement and the forbidding airlines from imposing ridiculous fees act. The fair act. If you've seen that, they're out there. Will they get completed? You know, we we shall see on that. But Kim, what are your thoughts on these proposed efforts by the U.S. to help improve the travel experience? Oh, I think it's 100% going to help the travel experience. That's one thing that has been a real challenge um, with the extra fees, especially bag fees. Um, in Kansas City, we use a lot of Frontier Airlines and they literally have raised all their prices um, and it's not really disclosed until a client goes in and books their bags, books their seats. And I mean, we're just now advising clients, you need to expect another 160 to 200 per person for these fees, because that's realistically what it's going to cost you. Um, so, and now they're even charging you if you need assistance at the airport. So there's a $25 fee if you get to the airport and have to talk to a person. (laughs) So, I mean, it's crazy. And so, yeah, I'm all for making sure that the airlines, you know, disclose these fees, hotels on their um, resort Mm -hmm. fees, um, and that is a huge issue for Hawaii for us because we'll put together a package with air and hotel rental car, but then we also have to disclose, hey, your resort's probably going to collect 50 to $60 per room per night. That's just a resort fee. And they get, you know, inclusions with that or whatever. But I've always been an advocate of just include that in the rate Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's such a pain point for guests to then get to the hotel and have to pay more. So, yeah, we're we're all in favor of this for sure. Right. It's got to be more transparent. You know, they they just be upfront about it. Be honest. And I think, you know, consumers out there will appreciate that honesty. And, you know, maybe that leads to a bit more of a brand loyalty aspect, too. You see a lot more brand loyalty among some of the younger generations too, but the, the U.S. Travel Association came out. They said that the air travel experience is considered below average by many Americans, and this is used some um, data and some poll surveys that they did. Um, and they made comments basically saying that the air travel experience really needs to improve. The poll found that the air travel experience is subpar for nearly half Americans. Forty-five um, percent uh, say that they rate their travel experience as average or below average, whereas just one in ten Americans who have flown by air rate their overall travel experience as excellent. And I would, I wonder how many people that they surveyed on this that actually use a travel advisor. Cause I feel like if you surveyed however many people you wanted to, and all of them have, have experience using a travel advisor, it's probably a very higher percentage than 45 a higher number as far as who's viewing their, um, travel experience or no lower number. I should say who's viewing their, yes, you guys know with their travel experience. 
I mean, we can certainly help with that. You know, I mean, we advise them again, transparency and all things to expect. They get a tip sheet before they go. They get information if their flight is delayed or canceled. But there's so much that's out of our control um, as far as the delays, weather, cancellations. And so it's really how we um, advise them through that. Um, but the overall flying experience, I mean, you fly a lot, Eric, you know, it's just, you know, going through the airports is probably the biggest pain point for me. You know, the long security lines, the just the, you know, getting on trains to go from gate to gate, just waiting at the gate. I mean, there's, you know, you can get on the plane and have a long wait if you get delayed and, you know, all those kinds of things, I think, contribute to the overall experience with flying. But we also recommend our clients get TSA pre-check. That takes some of the pain points away for sure. Um, and I don't think enough people have it or even know about it, honestly, um, unless it's, you're it's a frequent flyer. True. So. Yeah, definitely on the frequent flyer side of things. Although it's building up a little bit more. Last I flew um, last month and got into the TSA pre-check line through domestic because usually I, I fly out of Atlanta. So a lot of times if I'm not parking at the airport, I'll just go through the international side because it's much smaller lines and I never have to deal with domestic side even and I can just easily get over the domestic side so that's always my Atlanta airport tip but yeah I was <laughs> going through the domestic side because I did I did park at the airport so I was uh, and yeah TSA pre-check line was crazier but I bypassed so much of it because I had the digital ID so that's another thing too out there is if you know jump on that digital aspect of things and you know you can potentially bypass some some wild lines there and I, I get it. Yeah. So that's part of the experience, but it is what it is. And I know one thing that's certainly, you know, impacting experience for travelers right now is pricing. So spring and summer airfare prices are predicted to continue to climb. According to travel app Hopper, U.S. domestic airfare is expected to increase by about 5% this month from February and uh, rising to an average price of 277 for round trip travel and then continue to climb in the spring and summer. They're projecting that May will bring some of the highest domestic flight prices ever, with an estimated average ticket price of $348, which is a 10% increase from 2019 costs. So Kim, as an advisor, how are you navigating the high pricing costs right now with clients? The main thing we're doing is just recommending that you book early. Um, you know, we always hear people say, oh, we're going to wait to book our airfare till closer to time to go. And that is, you just can't do that any longer. Um, so obviously, you know, at least four to six months in advance, if they can um, get, the, get the air and the package booked together. Um, I mean, I, I think that's just crucial um, because, you know, we've had some people reach out to us about spring break, which is in a month. And, you know, airfare prices are $50. $1,500 round trip to go to Cancun. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, um, you know, travel is booming. Um, summer travel is already booking up. And so it's just key to um, book in advance. That's the most important tip. Yes, that absolutely. If you're thinking spring break, you're too late. If you're thinking summer, you're uh, approaching that too late status a little bit as well. So you need to get going on that. I've been advocating that since uh, the beginning of this year, honestly, and a little bit of last year too. Just you got to get going on on the booking early aspect. And I think some people too are finding finding deals and planning their trips around whatever deal that they can find if they are budget conscious. But then you've got the luxury travel out there who is fine. Honestly, the right. luxury spaces is moving pretty good. So yeah, absolutely. Jumping over to cruise news now. Carnival Cruise Line issued advisories about guest behavior recently. The cruise line began sending emails to passengers that focus on safety, guest behavior guidelines, and just the rules to know to cruise with them. Uh, these policies aren't new, but the sending out via email is. And this story 
led to quite the interesting comment thread on our Facebook page. It got over like a thousand interactions on it. It featured uh, quite the mix of people being totally fine with it, others finding it ridiculous, people saying that they love Carnival and they never have any issues, and then those just straight up bashing Carnival, calling them Walmart clientele and the trailer park of the seas. But I think uh, uh, the gr- our girl Sylvie, who commented on this, is spot on, saying that it's part of a society who's having a problem. There's no respect and it could happen on any cruise line. So, Kim, your thoughts on this carnival behavior situation? Well, it's difficult for me because we don't sell carnival cruises. Um, you know, we just that's not the level of clientele that we have. Honestly, I know it's a very um, low cost experience, low price point, that kind of thing. So that's not something that we um, promote. Um, But it is, I mean, anywhere you go, I mean, I've been in, you know, very nice resorts and, you know, you can't control people's behavior. But, you know, if there are guidelines that you can set up, it just needs to be enforced. If you're going to have these guidelines on a cruise ship, then they need to be managed. So I think that's the key part of it is just accountability. Yeah. And I don't have an issue with them sending it out via email. If you're having issues on board, then yeah, you need to get your crew and and your staff to handle those things on board and maybe not have some viral videos go out there and hurt the reputation for sure. But you know, if you have to send out an email too, whatever gets the message across to continue hammering that home of, you know, yeah, I get it. And that it is right. what it is on that. So I don't have an issue with them sending out the email, but I thought that was quite intriguing on just how crazy that comment thread took off as people were <laughs> feel quite passionate about this. So the, the cruisers out there uh, have have strong feelings one way or the other about, about their cruise brands too. So uh, there's a lot of loyalty in cruising for sure. So yeah, and being, let me know your thoughts out there, listeners. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. You can drop me a line and uh, give me your thoughts on that. We're going to jump over to destination news and Got a big one here. You mentioned Hawaii earlier, and they are making the news again on this potential tourism fee bill. It's a bill that would propose a $50 fee on every incoming traveler who visited a state-owned park, beach, forest, trail, or other recreational and natural areas. Uh, Travelers 16 and older would have to be um, the ones to buy this, and they would buy a one-year environmental license to visit state recreational sites for $50. The money would be used to deal with impacts of climate change and mitigate the impact of visitors on state's top attractions, the uh, Hawaii said. So, Kim, your, your thoughts on this proposed $50 tourism fee? You do a lot of Hawaii, right? We do. And, you know, I think this, you know, issue has been around for a while. Um, I remember reading about this a couple of years ago, too. And um, I think part of the challenge is just, you know, how do you collect it? Who pays it? And where does the money go? You know, those are kind of the three main issues. And I don't think they have good answers for all those questions yet. So, um, you know, I do think it's... um, a nice way to collect additional revenue to protect those parks. And because I know for Hawaii, that's been a real challenge because Hawaii was such a huge destination once it opened during COVID um, because they, you know, had very limited um, requirements, that kind of thing. And it just took off. And so I know they've really struggled on the islands with over tourism, if you will. And um, so they're really trying to protect their islands and their culture. But um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where that goes and and how it can actually help the islands. I mean, there's already hefty taxes that the hotel that you pay on your hotel rooms. And um, I'm kind of like, well, where does all that money go? (laughs) So anyway, I I think there's a lot still to discover about that, um, that environmental tax. 
Yeah, the original proposal was uh, broader and would have applied to like all travelers. It was more of a blanket thing, so not those just visiting the key landmarks and locations, which is still, you know, I mean, that's majority of people who are going to Hawaii. They're right, certainly exactly. going to see those key landmarks and locations. So that's just, you know, government play of rewording things in a little bit is how I took that. But um, but there was a lot of backlash when they had that initial proposal on that from, from travel industry insiders and lawmakers, and they, they changed and made modifications here a little bit. And it serves the language on it. I don't have an issue with any destination charging a fee, $50 seems a little, little on the high end when you're considering most people traveling to Hawaii, is, is, it's couples or families for sure. So, I mean, a family of four uh, with two teenagers, that's going to, you know, it's going to add up. It's going to, will it deter some people from traveling there? A little bit. I don't think it'll be that big of an impact, but at the same time, yeah, where's the money going and how is this going to impact all the other fees that like the lodging fees and other things that have been going on uh, for Hawaii. So that will be interesting to see how it plays out. It's only, it's, it's just a bill. It's being considered right now. Nothing is final. We'll obviously be one of the first to let you know that when it is, you know, up on travelpulse.com. But right now it's just, uh, up for debate, if you will. So podcast at travelpulse.com. I'd love to know your thoughts out there. That wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel. Any additional thoughts, you can shoot me an email or call our hotline at 201-381-3017 is the travel pulse podcast number. Now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week on romance travel. So, Kim, we're going to get right into it. What is the latest in romance? What's trending in romance travel? Oh, gosh. Um, It feels like there's so many things that are trending with romance travel. One of the biggest things, I think, are the new resorts that are being built. They are building these amazing romantic suites. We are talking, you know, you walk into the suite, you've got a private pool, you have a jacuzzi on the balcony, um, you could have an outdoor shower. You could have a rooftop terrace. Um, I mean, the rooms are just, you know, take being taken to a new level. Um, all the resorts are kind of raising the bar on the kinds of suites that they offer, which plays right into, you know, a romantic vacation, whether it be an anniversary, a honeymoon or a destination wedding. But the suites themselves are just gorgeous. And all the new resorts are, you know, have these high level suites. Um Swim up suites are probably one of our number one requested type of suite for a honeymoon. Everybody loves the swim up suite. <laughs> so, um, that's always very popular. And then, of course, the overwater bungalows. Um, more resorts are building the overwater bungalows, which are gorgeous. They're very pricey, but, you know, for a once in a lifetime trip, it's well worth it. And just to have that personalized service, to have a butler, um, you know, it just makes that whole travel experience um, just amazing and memorable, which is what the honeymooners are really looking for. That, I think, is probably our our number one thing that we see is just um, requesting those beautiful suites. Um, You know, I love coming back to the room and they'll have romantic turndown service. My husband always laughs. We don't need turndown. And I'm always like, oh, no, I love coming back from dinner. And, you know, the the bed is all turned down. They might have rose petals on the bed. They've got, you know, uh, special lighting, um, soft music. Um, So the resorts are really stepping up their game with um that feeling of romance in your suite itself i love that i think that's a great way to really hook in that 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 consumer traveler and and let them know that we're you know you as a brand and a property are are like you said stepping up your game you're elevating the experience over that because it is a meaningful trip 
for you know the couple at hand in there and you can get someone as a customer for life potentially especially in the you know the the honeymoon phase there so i'm i'm sure you've you've reeled in a few clients yourselves just starting from honeymoon and then segueing that into others as well Absolutely. Um, then, you know, the other thing that um, the resorts and I did a little poll this week, knowing I was going to be on your podcast, just asking people what, you know, was ro- what was a romantic experience for them when they were on vacation. And so many of them mentioned the spa. So I think having um, a resort that has a beautiful spa experience, they love the couple's massages. Um, Also, a lot of these resorts have a whole hydrotherapy circuit where you have, um, you know, private pools, you, they're outdoors, you have showers, um, you know, all kinds of special treatments, and then you go in for your couple's massage. And the room itself is going to be beautiful, decorated. It could have a private jacuzzi. Um, we've even done outdoor couples massages. Those are always a favorite. Um, you know, up in the Costa Rican rainforest, uh, there was beautiful massage cabins up in the rainforest. And, you know, where do you get that kind of experience? I mean, it's just amazing. So I think the resorts are putting a lot of emphasis on their spas because the honeymooners and couples really want to have a romantic spa experience. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I do. Who doesn't love a good massage, right? Yeah. I've never actually done the couple's massage. So I'm, I'm, my wife is in the downstairs, so she probably hears that and is like, yeah, get on that. So <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah. Got to, got to get is. going on that. Yeah. It so uh, that's great. And then I'm, I'm sure the, the private dinner aspect is, is such a huge draw huge. that for a lot of uh, clientele that they, they want to experience uh, the food aspect of things, right? That that would be the other big trend is just um, having these beautiful candlelight dinners. Um, usually those are on the beach or they're on a terrace overlooking the beach. Um, that is something that we love to um, you know recommend to our clients because they may not think about it. And we can actually get that set up and secured before they even arrive at the resort. So they have something to look forward to. Um, they are in high demand. So it's really important to set those up in advance um, if you can. Um, and a lot of times too, maybe you're not, it's windy on the beach and you don't want to have that candlelight dinner on the beach. A lot of the resorts have little wine rooms or special areas where they have these private dinners and the table is decorated beautifully with flowers and candles. And I mean, the whole ambiance is just beautiful. And then they serve you a, you know, delicious dinner with your favorite wine or beverage. And um, I mean, that overall experience just can make a trip for somebody, I think, just having that. And they love to take pictures, post on Instagram, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, what they're doing and what a beautiful spot where they're having this private dinner. So I think that's, that's really important for our romantic couples. Yeah, I think that's a way that a property can really separate itself out from others in the space is elevating that private dinner aspect. I mean, it's private for, for the couple to, to, you know, to have their food and, and, and everything right there. But as you said, they're going to post that on social media. So it's only going to be <laughs> a, a small aspect of private because they want to, to showcase that, hey, we're doing right. something exclusive. We're doing something awesome. So any way you can separate yourself out from, from that, I think brands out there can capitalize on that in the romance space for sure. But um, what about what about top destinations for couples? You know, how do these uh, overall destinations really compare to for, for weddings versus honeymooners, um, both here U.S. and international? Um, I think 
for, you know, when you talk about couples, so I would say couples my age that are empty nesters, they're celebrating maybe milestone anniversaries. We're getting a lot more of those requests. So they're celebrating their 10 year, 20 year, 30 year anniversary, and they want to go somewhere special. And in those cases, I think um, the destination is maybe more important than the resort itself um, because we get a lot of requests for more adventure type travel for that. They, you know, maybe they've always wanted to see Hawaii or they've wanted to go to Tahiti or Costa Rica. And so they're looking for more of an experience, maybe more specific activities. Um, so for our couples celebrating anniversaries, I think the um, maybe the location is a little more important than the resort itself. Um, so those are, you know, some of our top um, destinations for that. For honeymooners, I think so often, like we just talked about, they love a really nice resort. And that's kind of first on their list. Um, yes, they want to have it in a beautiful location and they might want to do a couple of activities off the resort. But they've just been through a very hectic time planning the wedding, you know, entertaining all their wedding guests. And now they just want to, you know, unplug and relax. And so having those beautiful resorts um, and, you know, the other thing I think, too, is they have so many of their friends getting married and honeymooning. So they're looking for unique places too. You know, if they have good budgets and want to find somewhere different than everyone else has gone to, I think that's a big criteria. We're getting a lot of, well, we recommend a lot and um, get requests for, you know, some of the islands that aren't as popular as, say, Mexico, Caribbean, uh, I mean, uh, Dominican, Jamaica. Those are more of the common destinations. We're now getting a lot more requests for Exuma, Curacao, Bora Bora, Costa Rica, um, you know, because they the the couples are really wanting to set their honeymoon apart, you know, and make it unique yeah. from what all of their friends have done. So it's really fun to work on those two because we love those destinations as well. So we've, you know, put together, you know, special experiences in each destination. Maybe it's running a Jeep, you know, checking out private island or checking out private beaches. Um, in some of the islands, we've got our own map that we give to our clients to um, encourage them to do that type of activity because there's just nothing more romantic than pulling your jeep up walking down a path and arriving at this gorgeous beach with literally no one on it and uh you know packing a picnic lunch having some wine cheese crackers and having the whole beach to yourself so those are the types of experiences i think honeymooners are looking more for um that's every beach lover's dream right there just oh it okay. we just experienced that <laughs> oh, um it. this summer so if you need a in i've got the place for you so. <laughs> i love it yeah well i think what a lot of what you described there too you know the Gen Z uh, generation is going to be launching huge into des you know weddings and honeymoons. That's right. their their age a little bit. The, the older I guess Gen Zs and then your your younger side of millennials and then you're getting married and having their honeymoons and everything right now. So you're seeing I think are you seeing a lot of push in in that too of those oh. those types of travelers wanting to do those specific things. 
Absolutely. And it, it really just depends on their level of experience with travel, because okay. so many of these couples, maybe they've traveled a lot. You know, they're getting married in, say, their young 30s and early 30s, and they've traveled a lot already. They've been to Mexico. They've been to the Dominican. They want to go somewhere different. And um, I think the more experienced travelers are looking at that. You know, the budget's a little bit higher for those destinations. I think maybe um, travelers that are more more maybe in their early 20s, mid 20s, they're looking for more of the traditional destinations where the pricing's a little bit more reasonable. And, you know, we've got amazing resorts, you know, in Mexico, in the Dominican and in Jamaica for them to choose from. So they might have a little more comfort going somewhere where um, they pretty much just stay in the resort area and not venture out as much, um, just depending on their level of experience with travel, because we see both both types. Great. And just jumping along here for, for supplier listeners out there, what would be your wish list for suppliers, improvements, deals, you know, discounts or uh, communication, anything or whatever, what, what can they do to make the romance travel sector even better, do you think? I think it's imperative that they have these kinds of inclusions, you know, so that maybe, um, you know, the recognition of honeymooners, for example, we I can't tell you how many honeymooners want that banner on their door saying happy honeymoon, um, you know, and that their amazing celebration is being recognized by the resort. I, it's a simple thing that the resorts can do, but I think it's really important, whether it's a banner on the door, it could be, um, you know, here are, you know, on their um, uh, either the paper uh, newsletter they send out or it could be on the TV, you know, welcome our honeymooners this week to whatever resort and you list their names. Recognition is very important. Um, we always make a request for a welcome amenity as personal note from Love to Travel uh, for all of our guests that arrive. Um, and I think that's a nice touch. Again, I think it's just making them feel important. And then also, um, you know, some of our suppliers too, we have points that we build up by using certain resort brands so that we can cash in some of our points and purchase a massage certificate or a candlelight dinner on the beach, you know, and sometimes the resorts will run promos, you know, book by this date and get a free candlelight dinner on the beach or get a catamaran sailing adventure. So I, I just think, you know, positioning their products around the romantic features they can offer is really important. Yes, going above and beyond, especially for those honeymooners, because they're going to talk about that for the rest of their life. You know, you're always going to talk about what you, you know, some aspect of your honeymoon. Something that's um, kind of fun, too, are the resorts are getting or developing more experiences at the resort. So, for example, they might have a wine tasting at five o'clock. So go to this particular location. They're going to have some of their wines, cheese, crackers, you know, the, the whole deal. Um, they might have cooking classes, which are very romantic inclusions. So those could be included in the list of activities that are with their package. Um, you know, massage classes, um, you know, even exercise classes. They might have, you know, couples yoga or, you know, any kinds of, you know, special type activities like that, I think, add to the romantic overall experience of the resort. Yes, yeah, all about separating yourself out and making the guest feel most welcome. So any advice you want to um, close out here to our travel advisor listeners on sort of improving their romance travel 
sales and, and being more successful in the romance travel sector? Sure. I, you know, I think the discovery process is so important. You've got to know your clients. So when you're talking to your clients, um, you know, really find out where, what kind of vacation they've had in the past. Are they beach people? Are they pool people? Are they looking for more activities or less activities? Are they very social? We have so many of our honeymoon couples that they come back with new best friends from their honeymoon because they've met other honeymoon couples at the resort, and then they stay in touch with them and end up booking trips with them later on. So not all couples are like that. So it's kind of knowing what, you know, your client is like so that you can recommend the right resorts because there are so many wonderful choices, but not all of them are great for, um, you know, a party type honeymoon. Others are not great if you want real quiet and relaxed type honeymoon. So really knowing your clients um, is important and knowing what activities are available there as well. So knowing your destinations too, because there's certain destinations that are not great to travel to in the fall. There are other destinations like Costa Rica, very pronounced rainy season. So we'll we'll get requests for Costa Rica in October and we're like, "Mm, we do not recommend (laughs) Costa Rica in October because it's pretty much going to rain every day. So just having that destination knowledge is so important as a travel advisor. So I would encourage everybody just to make sure if it's a new destination, go get on a webinar, you know, talk to your BDM, you know, find out more information about the destinations um, so that when you're making these recommendations, you know, you're making the right choice for the clients because they're really depending on you to make the recommendation for them and trusting your judgment. I think those those two things are really important. The other big thing that we do is really focus on reviews. So we have a company that we use called BirdEye. And after every one of our couples travels, we send a follow-up and um, find out their experience, get their pictures if they want to share pictures. And then we ask them to leave a review if they're comfortable doing that. And those reviews um, are housed on our website, but they also get pushed to Google, Facebook, and The Knot. And um For new honeymoon couples looking for a travel advisor, I can't tell you how many of those we get just based on our reviews. So I think, you know, putting in place a review platform and procedure is really key to growing that business. Excellent advice there. Absolutely. Yes. Get those reviews in folks in the the referral business. It's, It's powerful out there. So thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy day to talk travel trends and and romance travel with me. Thanks, Eric. I always love talking about romance travel. So anytime, have a great day. Thanks, Kim. She's a love to travel. Check her out on the socials and lovetotravel.com. And then that's all the time we have for this week's show. I'll be on location in Portugal next week. So fingers crossed everything's good on that. And we'll get a show out for sure from Portugal. So that wraps up this week's again, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Reach out. I'd love to hear from everyone and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts out there. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. 